Pumpkin, you tell me which way is catering. Yes, we're carving it up over there. Hey, Gordy, can you show her where <laughs> catering is? Oh, my God. <laughs> Your dad jokes. You could write a book. I could, but it would be a bit seedy. But I could get through it, though. I don't think I could get through it. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a real page turner. Which way is catering with Justine and Bruce? Served up by Variety Attractions, celebrating 60 years of entertainment excellence. Now, Bruce, you've had a lot of hairstyles over the years. <laughs> hair and no hair. <laughs> <laughs> I have two. <laughs> two, hair and no hair. But, I mean, you've done, like, the feathered oh, the and feather. the mutton chops and the whole things, and right? And the porn mustache. Yes. Ever and have, the beard. Yeah, Full beard. beard. Mm-hmm. Ever have a mullet? No mullet. Couldn't get that going. Mm. Just wouldn't fit with your, like, motif or what? Yeah, my, <laughs> you know, swing and lifestyle. Because you just seem like such a delight to talk to that we would almost we would almost rather kind of sit out on the deck and you know have a drink and oh, absolutely pretend that our conversation is on a rooftop in Nashville and we're just kind of you're like spinning the yarn and we're just like really, we really? like we're right above, above lower broad and there's like. 50,000 people down there. Nashville is packed. The bars are hopping. You can hear rock coming from this bar and country coming from that bar and blues coming from that bar. That would be a wonderful scenario for me. Let's yeah, just, that, that would, would, that yeah, would be. Yeah. So that's kind well, of what... whiskey on the rocks. Yes, and a cigarette in my hand. Yeah, there you <laughs> <Okay>. go. <laughs> All day. Let's do it. Okay. All right. Welcome to another episode of Which Way is Catering with Justine and Bruce. And we're celebrating 60 years with Variety Attractions. Today's podcast, we've been waiting to talk with Tracy for a long time because he's just such a delight to listen to and he can really spin a yarn. So, <laughs> let, let, and, and I mean, we could go on and on about 9 billion records and all the number one hits. A thousand number one songs. Blah, and... blah, blah. So let's get right down to business and let's welcome Tracy Lawrence. Well, let me tell you, back in the day when I first started touring, when uh, me and Mr. Moffat got to know each other, back in the early days of my experience with Variety Attraction, there was no catering. Hey, Tracy, we got you boss some chicken from the convenience store. <laughs> <laughs> that That's uh... what we love is... I was that was going to be my first kind of question is if I mention variety attractions, kind of what comes to mind? And I tell you, everybody starts with the George Moffat impersonation. <laughs> and it's so good every time. I love George. He was always great to me. You know, in the early days, in the early 90s, when I first started rolling, we did so many variety attraction dates. And uh, I met Todd in the early days when he was just starting out, man, had such a great working relationship with everybody. Now, I, I think George got perturbed at me a few times because we were a little bit wild. 
And I know we like to party a little bit. And I know in a couple of instances, we were still partying and the fair people actually left and closed the gates on us and locked us in the fairgrounds. So <laughs> we, uh, George, George get a little bit perturbed at me from time to time. <laughs> yeah. What's your, what was your first like kind of interaction with George uh, on site at a venue? Do you remember that time? You know, he was always just, he wanted to come around and meet everybody. You know, he, he would tell us how great it was to have us and what he had us for lunch and all this stuff. I mean, in the early days, really, it, it was it was pretty bare bones back then. You know, you'd roll in and it was a, it was a stage with some bar cans and that was about it, you know. But we, uh, we always had a great time. He was always very fair to me and he worked us a lot. I mean, we were one of his favorite go-to acts. He put us in all of his, all of his venues around the country. But fairs and festivals were a big part of of what broke me in the Midwest, you know, all through that part of the country. So it was, it was a great experience for me. And I know Todd Bolton kind of was with you guys when you were kicking it early on with sticks and stones. Uh, he, he wanted us to kind of ask you about that time. Well, like I said, we were a little wild. Uh, yeah, uh, we had a really good time back then. It was all very new and fun. And, uh, um, uh, we always, I think we put on great shows back then, but we were definitely the life of the party for sure. <laughs> I think he said he was surprised he survived that summer. <laughs> I, I'm surprised that a lot of people survived that, that whole first three or four years because they were pretty wild. Yeah. We, we, uh, you know, you've seen all the stuff about Motley Crue. We were, we were the Motley Crue of country music. <laughs> well, well, when is, when is that uh, uh, series coming out with Tracy Lawrence? I have to wait for a few more people to die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. Um, speaking, speaking of people surviving, why don't you tell us about whatever was going on with that 90s mullet of yours? Oh my gosh. Well, let's see. Did you have like Neil your, McCoy? Do what? Did you have your own like mullet beauty squad? Was there just dedicated people on making sure the that curls were just right? Natural. It was just natural. It was. And Neil McCoy actually coined the phrase. He said, I had my own personal kind of mullet. He said, I had a cur mullet. It wasn't actually just a mullet, it was a cur mullet. A cur mullet. Because <laughs> I've heard like, it was it was full. Yeah, that, it just did that by itself. Did you have an actual like mullet sculpting spray back then, or did it just kind of shape its own way? Just straight up it just did its own thing, whatever, whatever it decided to do on any given day, it did. <laughs> <laughs> now, when all the, all those great photo shoots, absolutely, we had had people that took care of all that. The photo shoots, it's just all perfect and everything. Yeah, but some of those some of those uh, some of those days on the road, it probably looked a little ragged. <laughs> but they're coming back, man. I mean, yeah, people, not, not on my head or not. <laughs> yeah. I remember, I remember James Otto telling me that in the early days for Blake Shelton, he had a Kentucky waterfall mullet. <laughs> wow. I'd never heard that term before. That's awesome. Back in the, you know, early to mid nineties, when you were just skyrocketing, um, time marches on is one of like my favorite iconic country songs of all time. I, I don't know what it is about that song, but I truly, truly love it. And I was watching a clip um, where you were on stage with Jason Aldean and Luke Bryan, and you guys were kind of doing it together. Um, yeah. Does it really mean a lot to you when you get together with it, with some of the other, you know, singers of today and kind of sing your songs? It does. And, and, you know, the great thing about it is knowing that that, that music had such a huge impact on all this generation that came behind me. 
You know, there was something really special about that song the first time I heard it. Uh, you know, just the way it was crafted to, to touch on multiple generations in a family's life in three and a half minutes is pretty amazing the way that it was crafted. Bobby Braddock just did an amazing job on it. You know, those those kind of songs don't come along every day. You don't, you don't find them very much. They're not written that much. I mean, there's a lot of really good songs out there, but those iconic songs are few and far between. You know, and uh, I'm, Darius Rucker's been doing it in his show off and on for years. You know, it's that song impacted people. You know, and I, it's probably my, my dad's least favorite song of all the things that I did. <laughs> Daddy, Daddy, Daddy took all that stuff real personal. And I guess he had to field a lot of questions about the line where daddy's got a girlfriend in another town. And he hated that song. I mean, it was something that really got under his skin. And I told him, daddy, I didn't write this. It has nothing to do with you. But he still, it, it was one of those things that just, he really never gravitated to that song for whatever reason. Hmm. Uh, that just, just the way it's written is just amazing. I, I think national songwriters are some of the last true American poets in this country. That just the way that they're able to craft songs and paint pictures with words. I've learned a lot from from being around these guys, and and I think my writing has grown over the years from being exposed to some of the best songwriters in the entire world. It's just amazing how they put songs together back then and to this day. They're still phenomenal to me. I I'll dovetail off of Justine and I'll say my favorite Tracy Lawrence song that I really connect with is find out who your friends are. Um, you know, just over the years, you know, you, um, you know, there's a lot of friends out of necessity, you know, at different jobs or your neighbors or whoever it is. And, you know, over time you really find out in, you know, challenges and adversity that, you know, they always say it builds character, but it also reveals it. Mm -hmm. And I kind of really connect with that. Find out who your friends are, because you really find out if something really bad happens, who's kind of there to to kind of help you out. And mm -hmm. I, and I like the video because you had George Jones <laughs> in there as well. So that was always a, a good thing, too. But, you know, can you kind of talk a little bit about that song? You know, uh, I, I found that song and I, I'm. Tim and Kenny and I had talked for years about doing something together. It was something that we had, because we had been friends in the early days when we first got to town and we had, you know, nurtured our friendships along. Tim and I are still real close. We still talk on a regular basis. I hadn't talked to Kenny in a while. I guess he's, he's turned into an island bum. I don't know if anybody sees him around town very much anymore. But, uh, you know, back then, uh, we, we experienced a lot. We, we were at that place when we all got to town when we were still dreaming about, you know, what the world had in store for us, if we were going to make it in this business. I mean, a lot of it was still new. And then, then things started to happen. My career took off. Tim's took off. Kenny's took off, all that stuff. So when this song found its way to me, Terry Wakefield actually pitched this song to me from over at Sony Tree. And uh, Casey Bethard was was the writer on it, and I'd cut some Casey stuff over the years, and I just I just felt like it was it was really special because it talked about you know the character of people and the relationships that you build. Um, when I, I actually went in, I, the track was done. I had my whole vocal finished on it, and it's like you know I just I called Tim and Kenny up and I said, "What do you think about this song? We talked about doing this for a long time. This is the message that I think is perfect for all three of us to do." They all agreed. We didn't talk to the labels. They just, we set a schedule up and they came straight in the studio and did vocals. And the next thing you know, it's on the radio. So it was one of those things. It was old school. We just kind of bypassed everybody and did what we wanted to do. And it was really special. Uh, and for that to be a, a, such a massive record, you know, that was the longest charted single that I ever had on the charts. It was like 43 weeks on the charts with that record. Wow. 
and it was uh, it was massive. And uh, I, I appreciate those guys so much. It was a very special thing for me to have back then. It was really a great song, and I think it touched a lot of people. And, you know, it's, uh, I, I see buddies gathering up when I play that song. It shows people get together in their little pods. You know, it's like, you know, they, they understand the relevance of what that lyric means. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, the kind of, they kind of bro-hug it out. Yes, they do. And toast and everything else. You know, the whole thing. I love you, man. <laughs> um, I mean, let's, so we know that you have a new record coming out in I April. Yes. And you're super excited. We can tell by the look on your face. So, just- so I'm going to give you the whole strategy. We actually have three albums coming out this year. Wow. So this is the first of three records. They're 30 for 30. This is my 30th anniversary. So 30 years ago in January of this year, I did my very first showcase at the Bluebird Cafe and got committed to be signed to Atlantic Records. In May of 1991, 30 years ago, I walked in the studio the third week, in, week of May and uh, I signed the paperwork for my contract with Atlantic Records the day I walked in the studio. I cut sticks and stones, had three number one records and a top five off of it. So this is a real special year. Mm-hmm. So the first album of this 30 for 30 package, the title of all of them is going to be Hindsight's 2020. So that's pretty much the overall theme. And I think everybody can agree with that. So the first album is all new songs. I wrote nine of the 10 things on the package. Uh, it's straightforward country. Uh, it's, you know, cut a little bit contemporary, but it's good, solid country stuff. Proud of everything that I put on the record. The second package is uh, finished now. I'm, I'm sequencing it. should go to mastering this week. Uh, the title track is called The Price of Fame. Uh, I actually wrote that with uh, uh, Rick Huckabee and my friend Brad Arnold from Three Doors Down. Uh, Eddie Montgomery is singing on the record with me. And that's going to be the title track of Package 2. Uh, Tracy Bird is doing a a guest vocal on a song called Holes in the Wall, which is an up-tempo honky-tonk thing. So on the second package, there will be five brand new things and five old hits, which will include Somebody Paints the Wall, The World Had a Front Porch, Find Out Who Your Friends Are, Stars Over Texas, and I See It Now. The third package, I'm in the process of starting to write. It'll be the same scenario as Package Number 2. Five brand new songs, five hits. Uh, I'm writing, so I have another writing appointment tomorrow to start working on the final package. So those will be the things that come out this year. So we're just going to be giving you tons of music throughout the year. Like every three or four weeks, you're going to be getting a brand new single on Spotify and on the streaming platform. So this is going to be a massive year. I'm going to go right from that since it seems like you're a bit busy and there's no rest for the wicked. So I'm going to go into my favorite song that I've heard so far from the new record and I love the title because I'm, I grew up, uh, I, I wasn't a country guy off the bat. I was a classic rock guy. And I love the Stairway to Heaven, Highway to Hell song. <laughs> and it's, it's, it, it's that thing where, you know, I don't really want to go back, but I'm not ready to leave yet. And I still have some time to kick it. So that and and your band, I mean, all you guys in country music have the best bands, but that is a song that I could be 
at a show. I was already picturing myself in the sunshine and, you know, back to it this summer, listening to that. Mm -hmm. We just worked that up with the band. So uh, all the new stuff on the, on this first package that come out, we just are at, are putting it into the show. So that is my new show opener. That's what I'm opening up my show nice. with. This year. Oh, right. I on. set the tone for everything. Yes. It's a little autobiographical. So we, uh, during the pandemic this last year, we, uh, we played a, a one of those drive-in shows out in Ventura, California. The only time I've been to, to California in the last year. So we, we were flying out there and I was talking to my manager, Nick, and I said, I've got this idea. I don't really know what to do with it. I said, I think it could be a great song idea. And I can't believe nobody's written it. I said, between the stairway to heaven and the highway to hell. And he's like, man, he, he loved the idea. So we, uh, we started talking about, well, who can I write this with? I need somebody that, that can, cause I'm not a really great melody person. I write lyrics a lot. So I needed that, that other partner. So we talked about who would be the perfect person to write it with and i've been wanting to write with craig wiseman for a long time he was one of the writers on if the good that young years ago we see each other at events and we've talked about doing this for a long time and i just reached out to him and i threw the idea at him and he loved it and it was it was the only zoom ride that i did last year we we spent six hours that was a long ride it took six hours to write that song mm. zoom is a really strange thing to write on it's just really different than being in the room with people but uh, i think it turned out great i'm really proud of it i, just, I love it. it's got a great feel to it it does. And, you know, as you were talking about that, I'm like, well, maybe you could have a guest, a couple guests on that song. I mean, you could have Robert Plant on there with you. You could have Angus from ACDC. I mean, you could really kick that one up. Mm -hmm. That would be awesome. I'd love that. Yeah, that yeah, that would be great. It's going to be awesome live. Yes. Moving on. Um, so there's other songs on the new record. And thanks a lot for letting us know kind of all about that. But um, let's go back to some of the the earlier things like you setting the tone with the first unplugged mm. in the round on CMT. Wasn't that great? You know, yes. I, I look back on that, you know, that time and place no one had done any kind of live performance or any unplugged things on CMT at all. That was groundbreaking at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, Mark Ball, who produced that and directed that whole thing, I had done so much work with Scene 3 over the years. All those time travel videos, all that stuff. I mean, he was just a, a big piece of the of the progression of my career. I mean, it was such a great thing. We shot that at Scene 3 Studios uh, over on 8th Avenue. And uh, we had such a great time doing it. I, I think I had Wade Hayes and Toby Keith on it. Had a massive acoustic orchestra back there with twin fiddles and the whole thing. It was really cool. And the only thing that disappoints me about that thing is, is because that thing came off so well, we were, we were right there at that time when we were doing Time Marches On. That was like in that period. And we didn't do a video for Time Marches On, which would have been the perfect piece of a time travel video. And we wound up using live footage from that concert as the video. And I wish we would have done a time travel video for Time Marches On. That's the only thing I regret about that whole piece. Looking back, and I, I'm just going to drop in Todd Bolton again, but you know, when you guys were kicking it in the early days with Variety and Todd and George, do you have like a uncomfortable Todd Bolton story you could share with us? <laughs> we love those. I wish I we Todd love was, those. Todd was such a sweet guy back then. I think we scared Todd to death. I really do. I do. Uh, I, I think there were times that Todd felt like he really needed to go somewhere away from us, far away. Yeah. <laughs> back to the, the CMT. I mean, he brought it to our attention that that was such a massive such a big deal at the time that nobody had done anything like that and it was just it was huge 
It was huge. Absolutely huge. I think they should re-air it. <laughs> they should. That should be part of your new yeah. packaging. Absolutely. They should re-air it. Yeah. Like most artists and, you know, who knows what it looks like this year, but do you have kind of a meet and greet story? You know, I, I, I wasn't actually in a meet and greet, but this, this kind of fits in with what you're asking. I, I had already done my meet and greet and it was after a show and I had gone into what, what a little crappy club we were playing. I don't, I really don't even remember where it was, but I was sitting at the bar having a beer and people were around me and everything. And all of a sudden this guy comes in, he said, my girlfriend's backstage or back somewhere. I don't know if she was out in the car or whatever, but she she didn't want to come back in. He said, she really would like to get your autograph. I said, well, where's she at? He said, well, I brought her leg in. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got this prosthetic leg and it's got this psychedelic paint job all over it. So oh I signed this girl's leg, but I've never met who it belonged to. So. <laughs> 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 that's about that's about as good oh, as i, I come love up with that <laughs> oh that that's oh that's, that's priceless good. that's, that's really good that, that's really good tracy thank you <laughs> <laughs> the things people have signed yeah oh well we don't want to go any further down that road. oh yeah maybe we'll stop <laughs> well that, that's when we go what's the most unusual backstage pass placement yeah <sighs> you got to sign my backstage pass but it's conveniently Somewhere you got to say located. That, that, yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. That's funny. Yes. So it wasn't, it was, this, this is kind of a sad story. And this is, this one is, is it bothers me that there are people out here that do this to other people. So we, one of the things that we deal with in this day and age in social media is that you always have these scammers that are pretending to be me and hitting on girls and saying, I'm Tracy Lawrence, give me your phone number, all this stuff. So it's been about two years ago, and I think we were in Louisiana somewhere playing playing a theater, and uh, I was in the meet and greet, and and security guard came back and told my my tour manager at the time. He said, "Tracy's fiance is out in the lobby trying to get back." He was like, "Tracy's been married for twenty years. You don't have a fiance." He said, "Give me a minute, finish up." And so he finished up, got me back to the bus, and he went out front. It's a seventy-seven-year-old woman. That's got her suitcase in hand. Some guy has pretended to be me and told her that he loved her and she was coming to get on the bus and run away with me. We were running away together. Oh, yes. Mm. Isn't that awful? Yes. It's awful that people do that to other people. Now, uh, we he came back and said, what do you want to do? I said, well, I'm afraid to meet her because I don't want to facilitate because she still believes this is me. So I felt the best thing to do was just explain to her and have her going down the road. But I just think oh. it's terrible that people do that to other people. Yes. And it happens all the time. You know, you should, and I'm just going to look at the positive side is that, wow, are you kind of impressed that people are using your name to pick up women? I mean, (laughs) hey, Tracy, do you really still have game, my man? I mean, you have hope for all of us. (laughs) I think think our social media team squelches about 20 of these people a week. It's every week. And not just me, it's everybody in country music. I mean, they're they're doing it to everybody. Yeah. Okay, and I'm, so me... I, I don't, I don't think I have game anymore. <laughs> oh, oh, come on, Trey. We'll, we'll I, I that think out. that ship yeah. sailed with the hair. I think it's gone. Uh, <laughs> they make wigs. You could just pop it on. And... Yeah, I, I just like all those toupees, and I laugh at people. <laughs> yeah, I've been just growing more forehead. That's all I tell people. So. I just grow a full beard. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, thank you, Justin. Oh, you're welcome. 
So then let me ask you this. I mean, aren't you super happy then that there wasn't social media back in, you know, the, oh, the late nineties? Uh, I mean, yes. think of think <laughs> of the, you know, the artists now that are trying to make a name for themselves. There's cameras at every turn and postings at every turn. I mean, isn't aren't you kind of glad you absolutely yeah, it was it was to... a different world back then. And it was a lot of fun because you didn't have to worry about all that stuff. And we did yeah. have a great time. And there was so much great camaraderie back then when we'd go to fairs and festivals and do these things. Everybody was bus hopping and having a good time. And we it was very festive and we were all proud for each other's careers. And you know, every time somebody had a number one, you were excited that your friends were doing so well. And it seemed like there was enough for everybody. There was plenty of it to go around. And we were all because most of us came from small towns in the middle of nowhere. And and to be able to do what we were doing, we were all so excited about being able to live this life and do what we were doing that uh, it was there there was a lot of great camaraderie and fellowship among the artists back then the 90s were just a great time mm -hmm. without uh, social media yeah without social media absolutely. Yeah. Um, one of the things we really wanted to talk to you about is your turkey fry yes so uh we just completed our 15th year uh, and it started off with just me and a handful of guys cooking turkeys in my backyard for Thanksgiving and giving them to old people and people from the church and stuff. And so we talked and thought that this would be a fun way to help out our community. I'd wanted to do something for the rescue mission for a long time. So, uh, it has turned into this amazing event with just tons of sponsors. We cook about 500 plus turkeys every year, the week of Thanksgiving, we'll feed 7,000 plates plus of food to the area homeless the week of Thanksgiving. It goes to the men's mission, the women's mission. Uh, five years ago, we actually added a concert to the back end of the day and we raise in excess of $150,000 a year that goes directly to the mission to help their efforts. Uh, and we're, uh, we're adding a golf tournament this year. This will be our first year for the golf tournament and it is already sold out. We expect to raise a lot of money and it opens us up as a foundation now to be able to do things for other outreach programs in, in the Nashville area. And we have visions of growing. We have some other things that we're looking at going down the road. We finally have our committee set up. We have our 501 C3, uh, uh, done. So we're, we're a full nonprofit now. So it really opens us up to be able to get government grants and all the other things. So we're, I think we're about to have a huge growth spurt with my foundation right now and really be able to have a bigger impact on people in Nashville and hopefully in the broader, broader area. Very well, that's cool. outstanding. Thanks for doing that, Tracy. Mm -hmm. I'll go back into the lighter uh, hearted questions. Do you guys have any like pre-show rituals or anything like that for some good juju before you go on stage? You know, we don't, we don't do any of that thing. Typically the only thing we do is drink tequila. Uh, <laughs> there you know, we go. Juju. Patron that's, good juju. The freezer. that's uh that usually kind of sets the tone for the night. You know, that's uh, that's kind of my go-to. So that's, that's pretty much the only ritual that we have. <laughs> Everybody comes to the Tracy Lawrence show. They love watching you. And um, I'm sure there's plenty of songs with the bro hugs and the goosebumps and all that kind of thing. What kind of show gives all of those feelings to Tracy Lawrence? You know, uh, I, to tell you the truth, it's been so long since I've been to a show. Uh, I, I love watching my friends perform. I, I you know, we played the, 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 uh, Seven Peaks Festival out in Buena Vista, Colorado with Dirks Bentley a couple of years ago. And I got to go out and watch Travis Street, which I'm a huge fan of. I love Travis. always been a fan of his music. And he freaking killed it. I typically don't get to go to a lot of shows. The last real show that I went to, and you're going to laugh at me, and it was absolutely awful. 
I took my kids to see Justin Bieber, and it was awful. It was just awful. <laughs> I don't know. Ask, ask Justine. Well, 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 my oldest daughter is 17, and she we were going to go last year, and Jaden Smith was opening for Bieber, and she was all about that. So she was super bummed we didn't get to go because it was canceled, but um well you know I, I guess the kid's got talent but he's so he's so indifferent and so arrogant about everything that he does is he's lip syncing through a lot of it and his voice is coming out and he's just holding his mic out here like he don't even care I'm like, I, I wore earplugs the whole time it was absolutely <laughs> awful yeah well but okay well then I, I tell you the last uh, we had tickets to go see I was going to take my kids to see Greta Van Fleet Oh, uh, yeah. last year and they were at the metro at, at the municipal auditorium here in nashville and uh the lead singer got voice his voice went out so they canceled so i didn't get to go but i was excited about doing that i love classic rock rock and roll i love all those stuff and they they really reminded me a lot of zeppelin i was a huge zeppelin fan in college uh but it, I'm, I'll, I'll kind of throw this at you i know you're gonna think i'm insane i love all kinds of music i'm a huge lady gaga fan there's some really mm -hmm. cool stuff from her so i like i like music mm -hmm. i really dig a lot of that stuff and i wanted to we, we were trying to get set up to go see her in Louisville when she came through a couple of years ago and I couldn't make that work. I'm just on the road so much that typically when people come through, I'm not here. So, so I miss out on a lot of that stuff, but I do love going to concerts. Right now, I'd, I'm happy just to go sit at Third Lindsley and watch a good guitar player play. I just really, just to see people back on stage right now does my heart good. I mean, that's mm -hmm. really, just to see a good musician, good musicians and a good singer get up there and do their thing. I don't need the lights. I don't need the smoke and mirrors. I just want to see a good band play. And I'm, I've missed it so bad. Yeah, we all have. So I'll go back even farther. Were there any legends that you admired growing up, you know, when you were, because it, sound, it sounds like you're a real student of the singer songwriter. And oh, yeah. yeah, and I, I was just kind of wondering who, you know, were you going to see? you know, Merle yeah, Haggard or, you know. It was great. I mean, I, I, Straight was one of the first uh, national acts that I saw. I saw T.G. Shepard when I was young, and I love T.G. He and I are good friends. But, you know, Straight Straight was a huge influence on me. Straight and Haggard were the two guys that were the primary influences on me when I was a kid. You know, about 12 years old, just starting to kind of get my legs underneath me and figure out what I could do and that I had some talent and learn to play and all that stuff. And being able to tour with Straight, you know, back in 08 and that, time period was pretty awesome for me because I got to do the whole tour with him. But, uh, you know, the first big rock show that I saw uh, was over at the Hearst Coliseum in Shreveport. And it was probably in 1987, my second year in college. Uh, and I, uh, I saw uh, it was Tesla, Dokken and Aerosmith. And right I, on. There you go. I was on the arena floor when Sweet Emotion kicked off and the place just <laughs> erupted. It was awesome. <laughs> Hey, I remember seeing, and this will go back to your friend uh, in uh, Three Doors Down, but I saw Aerosmith with Three Doors Down. And yeah, everything with Aerosmith was just... It was Aerosmith. Yeah, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. Yeah, it's Aerosmith. Yeah, that's awesome. But I love all different kinds of music. And I love, there's times that I get in real jazz moods where I just, I mean, I could go sit and watch a three or four piece little jazz section play in a little crappy dim lit smoky bar room I, there's just I, I love sometimes that's all i need sometimes mm -hmm. it just moves me like that i i like the symphony i love to go watch a beautiful orchestra play it just it makes the hair stand over my arm i mean music music you can just feel the the emotion of music when it's done right it's just it's a very special thing that sometimes it doesn't even need words mm -hmm. and and it usually hits you out of nowhere yeah 
sneaks up on you. I remember, you know, I've never I've only this has only happened to me one time in my whole life. Uh, I've never had a song stop me in my tracks like this one did. I remember I was at the grocery store and and it's God, I, I don't remember when it was. It's been years and years ago. But there's a band called Train, a rock band called Train. Yep. When they uh, there's a song called Drops from Jupiter. Mm-hmm. Remember that? I hadn't heard it before, and I and it came over the sound system in the grocery store when I was walking through, and it literally stopped me in my tracks. I'd never heard anything that moved me like that before. I don't know what it was about that lyric, but it just it it was like, wow, that's really good. And I mean, I, I literally stood in the produce and went, wow. <laughs> so music still gets me like that from time to time. Yeah. What happens when you're in the grocery store and a Tracy Lawrence song comes on? <laughs> Uh, you know, it doesn't bother me. I just kind of nonchalantly go through it. But my kids, it mortifies my children. It absolutely. We were, I was at the IHOP with one of my daughters having breakfast one morning. And how cowgirl came, says goodbye, came over the speakers. And she just goes, you can just see her. Just, she just slumps down. <laughs> I mean, they just, they hate it. They hate everything about it, you know. Because usually, and, and nobody noticed me. Nobody said a word. It was just a random thing. But usually when something like that happens, the next thing you know is I got five people around me one Mm. and she just she she just folded up she's like oh she hates it (laughs) and it sounds like you're full steam ahead with your 30th anniversary and um, putting out new music and everything like that is there somebody that you um, as you move forward would love to collaborate with that you haven't yet oh my gosh there's lots of people uh, okay, I mean, give us your top 10 then. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've written with Dean Dillon before, but I hadn't cut anything that we've written. I'd love to get back with Dean Dillon. Uh, I haven't written with Bob DePiro yet. I would love the opportunity to do a duet with Leanne Womack. Uh, and I don't know if that could ever happen. I'd love to be able to sing on a record with George Strait. Uh, you know, uh, there's just, just so many great artists out there in rock and pop and everything that I think it would be phenomenal. Uh, I'd love to do a, a country crossroads with Brad Arnold from Three Doors. I mean, he and I've mm-hmm. been for a long time. I think that would be a lot of fun. That'd be cool. I mean, there's there's just an endless list. I'd love to cut a record with a sleep at the wheel. Yeah. I think it'd be awesome. I love mm-hmm. Western Swing. I think that would be phenomenal too. And I'm at the place now where I'm not looking at doing things, trying to get things commercially played on radio and doing things that, that I feel are cool at this point with people mm-hmm. that I want to work with. And that's what I'm trying to do now. Mm-hmm. All right. And I just thought of this, so I'm going to go there. Mm-hmm. So what if uh, somebody by the name of Reba McIntyre gave you a call? Oh I love it. Reba's awesome. She's uh, got one of the best voices ever in country music. I'd love to do a real traditional record of Reba, like the yeah. old stuff that she did back in the early days. Yeah, Because be awesome. you uh, you interviewed her for your Honky Tonkin show, correct? I did. You know, when I started that, that's the hardest thing. As an artist, you spend 30 years talking about yourself, answering questions, you know, giving that perspective, but having to guide the conversation from the other side, you know, you kind of lose that skill set after after a while. So my first interview that I had uh, when I started the radio show was Joe Diffie. I was like, I really need to get comfortable with this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And of course, the second one was Reba. And I don't think I slept all night. I was so worried about it because I didn't want to come across because, you know, you you. I've done interviews that are absolutely awful and, and they're, they're very uncomfortable and they're herky jerky and the questions aren't good and the delivery's not good. And, and you just come out of, out of there feeling like, Oh, that was terrible. And I didn't want Reba to leave feeling like 
that was just awful. You know, I was like, I wanted to be peer to peer and I wanted to be prepared and have my questions organized and everything. And I was exhausted by the time she got there. Cause I hadn't slept all night. <laughs> it scared me to death. You know, it's Reba, you know, cause yeah. she from the, the, the era before me. So, I mean, so I, she's in that category with George and all those guys that I idolized. And, you know, when I was a teenager dreaming about doing this, they were the people that were on the radio and it was, it was a big mm-hmm. thing. I mean, it was a big thing for us when we met Reba yeah. when we worked for an event. I think and my I, knees were shaking. And I remember. I know uh, she, she has that ability to make you just really get, I don't know what it is, but she does. You walk it's in Reba. and you're like, I'm speechless. Yeah. I had a good, I got a good story about Reba is that, so Marnie was <laughs> telling me that she likes cheese curds and corn dogs and all the fair foods. So I got a bunch of it for her and I took it backstage and I said to Marnie, where does, uh, where do you want me to put this? And Marnie says, Oh, just put it in Reba's trailer. So I go into Reba's trailer and all of a sudden, Whoa, there's the red dress <laughs> sitting right there. And it's like, Hmm. Did you try try to that on? <laughs> <laughs> will it fit? Uh, yeah, will it? But oh, but Reba was great. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I will have to agree with you. She, I've never heard of or seen her be anything but absolutely gracious to everybody. She's yeah. always so gracious. Yeah, I had visions in my head when we met her of all the things I was going to say. And, oh, I'm going to tell her I've been a fan since I was a little girl. And I said nothing. <laughs> I just think I said, like, thank you so much for coming. And it's yeah. so great. But, so at venues, Tracy, uh, when you're at catering, what kind of guy are you in catering? Are you the, uh, well, you know what? I'm watching my weight. I'll just get the veggies. Or do you dive right into the jelly donuts? What kind of guy are you? I'm a meat and potato guy. You know, uh, I love a good salad. I love my veggies, but you know, as, as long as it, if it's chicken and mashed potatoes or hamburgers and French fries or a steak and a baked potato, I'm a meat potato guy all the way. Yeah, I don't, I'm not a dieter. I try to go to the gym four or five days a week. So I work out a lot. Uh, and that's uh, how I compensate for it. Cause I'm, I, if I see it, I want to eat it. <laughs> yeah. I, I hear you on that. The seafood diet. Yeah. The seafood, the seafood diet. diet yep. That's it. Do you cook? I do. I'm a great cook. I cook a lot. Not only stuff on the grill, but I do a lot of casseroles. I can do, you know, a lot of stuff from scratch. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good cook. Nice. If you weren't Tracy Lawrence, the, you know, gazillion records, all the top 10, yeah. uh, what would you be doing? You know, I probably would be in radio or working at a label or something. I would be doing something in the industry. You know, when I moved to Nashville, I, you know, come here you, you never know there's thousands of kids that come here that never get their foot in the door that things never happen for but I, I i always really was very passionate about the business love the the song side of it i don't know if i would have been a, just a full dedicated songwriter or, or working at a label somewhere in the a and r or whatever I, mean, I would be doing something in the industry because my, my heart just led me to it it's always where i wanted to be uh so yeah probably that we're recording this in my basement, which I call my man cave. Yes. Um, it's a lot of memorabilia and things like that. But how did your man cave come about? We, my wife and I built a new house in 07. And uh, my man cave is in the pool house in the backyard. It's like the pool house and it's got, it's a big fireplace right in the middle of the room with a full kitchen and bath and all that stuff. And then workout stuff on one end. And then 
I have uh, all my sports memorabilia. I've got a, a full-size helmet collection with like Warren Sapp and, and Tom Brady and, and, and Peyton Manning and all the different signatures on it. I've got a Troy Aikman jersey that Troy took off his back and gave me that he signed. Plus, I've got an Eagles Hell Freeze Over tour jacket that's got all their signatures on it. I've got an Aerosmith drum head. So I've got all this stuff that I've kept over the years. Plus, all my taxidermy stuff from the animals that I've hunted and places that I've been around the country, my big bull elk that I got in Wyoming. And, and just it's, it's, that's where I keep all my stuff that my wife won't let me bring in the house. <laughs> <laughs> but then you guys record a lot of stuff in there too. I mean, it like down here, it seems like it, you know, with all the stuff on the walls and, you know, the sound is great down here and you guys do a lot of sessions in that man cave. We've taped a lot of things uh, for YouTube and, and for social media and it's been a lot of fun. We just kind of pull everything back out of the way and the room's got a great vibe to it. It's uh, it's just really cool. Uh, I do spend a lot of time out there. It's, it's a fun little place to hang out. The kids, the kids, when they were little, you know, when uh, our, my oldest daughter's her second year in college and I got one that's a senior, but the kids have had lots of parties out there in that pool house. It's, it's been, it's been used and abused to say mm -hmm. the least. As you, as you've gotten older than Tracy, I'm going to ask you this one dad to another, <laughs> are your kids starting to put posted notes on things that <laughs> they would like when you move along like my kids do <laughs> no they haven't done that okay well like, there's a signed guitar over there bruce that has samantha written on it yeah and it, it's got the reba signature on it and she's got a post-it on that one so she's claiming it is that what yes, she's doing that's what i'm saying oh, i mean wow. are they already well dad you're getting a little older and uh, all of a sudden I, the, the posted notes are coming out <laughs> i did embarrass the crap out of him it was I, I got to do the cma music fest four or five years four years ago uh on the big stage at the football stadium and so my wife and both girls were with me when they came in and uh 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 Thomas Rhett was getting really hot about that. And they all had their little crush on Thomas and everything. So I, they, they wanted to meet Thomas. So I just come barely in the green room. You know, you got Lady Annabellum in there. And I think, uh, 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 what's the Quartet group? Uh, uh, I'm going blank. Pontoon. Well, they sing Pontoon. Oh, Little Big Town. Mm -hmm. Little Big Town was there and everything. I just blow past everybody to go screaming for Thomas Rhett. And they were so <laughs> embarrassed by the way I just bulled in there and just, hey, Thomas, like, take a picture with my kids. <laughs> so I, I, they, they, I embarrassed the crap out of them, and I thought it was great. Oh, I love that. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. That's, that's, that's the most fun thing to do as a dad is to embarrass your children. Yeah. I enjoy oh, every moment so of it. It's so easy. Yeah, so and that, and and when you do that, it's the uh, and the eye roll and the everything. <laughs> oh, you get it all, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you don't understand. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, this has been great, Tracy. We really appreciate your time, yeah. and um, we loved hanging with you. And hopefully, you know, this summer we can come see you. Or, but I mean, George and Todd, they couldn't say enough about you, and. Um, we were really excited that we were able to talk to you and thanks for your time today. It's been a blast. Thank you guys so much. Thank Look forward you. to seeing you out on the road. Thank y'all. Yeah, okay. Thanks care. Tracy. See ya. Thanks for joining us backstage and visit Justine and I at varietyattractions.com. Get your backstage pass and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Which way is catering with Justine and Bruce served up by variety attractions celebrating 60 years of entertainment excellence.
Find out how you can take advantage of their expertise in consulting, talent buying, production, and marketing services for your next event at VarietyAttractions.com.